Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1997's The Sweet Hereafter, directed by Adam McGoyan and starring Ian Holm and Sarah Polly. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, There's another one of those coincidental uh, things where somebody from a movie, we had Paul Freeman in, in, in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark uh-huh. that, that week in uh-huh. Long Good Friday. This time it was a, a movie that had Alberta Watson in it and it was Spanking the Monkey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, what? <laughs> you never saw Spanking the Monkey? I don't think Monkey? I've seen this. No. Okay. It's, a, it's another film about incest. Great. Um, Alberta Watson just liked being in those movies, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's her and Jeremy Davies and... Uh, it's a very interesting film, a very odd film uh-huh. um, from the 90s, and uh, I don't know if everyone should check it out because it's not for everyone, but I, I kind of enjoyed it, yeah. Okay, Spanking the Monkey. Yeah. Nice. I watched I watched a kid's movie called Monster Trucks. Have you seen the trailers for this movie? Uh, it came no, out a couple years ago. I have not. There's a, a big oil well in the, Seattle or something. I don't know where it is. It's in a mountain, uh-huh. a quarry. I don't know. Okay. But, uh... Oil rigs digging, you know, Rob Lowe is a maniacal dude trying to get oil and money. Okay. And uh, they end up finding a big pocket of underwater ocean. And then there's these giant squid creatures that are there. (laughs) And they come out, and then they're trying to capture the creatures, and uh, a kid befriends... It's E.T., basically, Uh except with with an oil derrick. Uh, But uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The monster hides in his old truck... And they have this like cilia on their tentacles that spins the axles and they drive the trucks. Um, it was kind of cool. Oh, okay. All right. It's uh, really stupid. Yeah. But it was so bad that I had some fun watching it. I just gave up. I was like, this okay. movie's pretty shitty. <laughs> but it's a good kids movie, I guess. Is Rob Lowe the, the, the biggest, most famous voice actor in it? Or is there... It's, it's live action. Oh, it's okay. live oh, action. Okay, all right. This is live action. Wow. It's directed by Chris Wedge, who did like Ice Age and I see robots. Those kind of subpar animated films. Okay. Yeah, it's your kids would like it. <laughs> oh, so good. that's what I'm saying. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it kind of sucks. Okay, fine. But, fine. And uh, Danny Glover's in it. He's the uh, old mechanic who helps soup up the trucks. You know. Well, how so, do you, okay, yeah. fine. I, I like Danny Glover. There you go. Uh, you won't like the movie, though. No, probably, probably not. But uh, yeah, Monster Trucks, everybody. <laughs> uh, before we talk about the episode uh, announcement, we have a new studio. Mm-hmm. So the uh, sound quality might be a little different. Uh, we just want to warn everybody. Right. Uh, we're still working on things. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stick around, everybody, because, I mean, like, the sound quality is different, but we're hoping that, like, maybe it has some new effects in it, too. We'll, yeah. we'll know when it's actually And you know what I just done. realized? This, we're almost to 150 episodes. Yep. Holy crap. Yeah. That just popped in my head. Our Susquehanna is coming up yeah, soon. Yeah, whatever that means. So let's talk about <laughs> <laughs> The Sweet Hereafter, Dave. Okay. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? So The Sweet Hereafter, this is uh, based on a novel by Russell Banks um, in which there is a, uh, a bus crash in a small town. Um, that kills and or injures a lot of the children from the town. Mm-hmm. A lawyer then comes around to investigate it and also try to uh, get compensation for the families who lost their children. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some extra for pain and suffering, you know, how the, how yeah, the right. legal process goes. And he has to interview everyone, and they all have to kind of reflect on what happened. And mixed in with the bus crash is everyone's relationship to one another in the town. Mm-hmm. That's what we'll get into. Yes. Bus crashes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Ian Holm is the lawyer. Right. And we kind of follow him through the story. Uh, the story, it starts with him in a car wash, right? Uh-huh. And his daughter calls him on the phone. Yeah. On his 1997 cell phone. <laughs> it's his a big, big brick. Oh, wow. This thing. It's nice. I know. But uh, she needs drug or she needs money and shit because she's on drugs right. and stuff. And uh, you can tell he's been dealing with this. For, you know, the last 20 years yep. or something like that. Uh, and he ends up getting stuck in the car wash, has to walk out, and it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's like a through line with the movie is he's dealing with his daughter. It's not a huge thing, right. but it's like Dave said, we we see everyone's lives and like the, the problems that they all have, quote unquote, or yeah. the secrets they all have, right. that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's Ian Holmes thing. Yes. And the people in the town, they only know him as an out of towner, 
the, the town is called Big Sam City Dent. guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's probably from Toronto or something, or mm-hmm. maybe Vancouver. I guess it's Vancouver since British Columbia. Yeah. Um, but they, they, yeah, exactly. Big City guy. And his secret struggle is that he has a daughter who is desperate and, you know, is like struggling with drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what do you think of the, of the movie in general? I liked it. Okay, good. I enjoyed it a lot. Good. It reminded me of Lone Star. Mm-hmm. Remember when we did that? Yes. John Sayles movie? Yes. Um, in the same way that you... Uh, it doesn't have to be a tragic event. Like in Lone Star, they just find a, the bones of the sheriff or whatever. But right. Like this, the bus crash. There's some kind of thing that happens, an event that uncovers all this town's secrets, kind of. Right. Doesn't, not necessarily revealing it, and it's a big blowout. It's right. just we see everyone's secrets all the skeletons in their closets kind of come out we see how this event has affected their lives Mm -hmm. uh and it affects the whole town yeah so uh and you know i gave lone star five stars i know five lone stars that's right that's right i remember i love this this movie's pretty good 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 so because it was um it was a sort of a a personal favorite of mine for a long time Mm -hmm. when i first discovered it i i came to adam agoyan's movies when i saw exotica when i was a teen Uh a teenager Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I saw that box cover too. Yes, mm-hmm. it, it is a great box cover, <laughs> and it has the worst tagline maybe in movie. What's history. the tagline? In a world of temptation, uh, <laughs> what was it? Oh God! In in a I, w- yes, I remember you told me this yes, before. Actually, yes. you saw the poster and was like, "I've got to see this movie," and then it wasn't what you expected. Exactly, it was not exactly. <laughs> in a world of temptation, something something is the deadliest desire, and That's this has good. this has nothing to do with the movie like with, <laughs> with, with the movie with exotica at all but it's it's just like it was just marketed that way mm-hmm. but um it was trying to be basic instinct yeah it was trying something. to be an erotic yeah. thriller and that's yeah. not what adam agoyan made yeah and uh geez where were we <laughs> but yeah i don't know you're talking about this movie uh-huh. and how you came to it yes yeah. exactly and and i well, once i saw it was the same director writer director i was like okay i need to see this and people go back and forth of whether this one is superior to exotica or not they both have their fans and mm-hmm. both bruce greenwood and sarah polly of course are the stars of, of both films mm-hmm. now um sarah polly is an interesting person in many ways uh she's like now become like this classic uh do everything artist in film uh-huh she's a writer and director and a singer and uh she sings in this movie yeah mm-hmm. and it's like very memorable i mean she, that the song she sings over the end credits and and it's also like uh throughout the film um her character is nicole mm-hmm. and there's a running theme in the movie about the Pied Piper of Hamlin, yeah, um, and how it relates to their story, the the town the town story. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, plays a pivotal role in this, and when we first see her, she's singing, she's practicing singing rehearsal at a festival. Yeah, it's like a county fair type yeah. stage with carnival rides, right? And, yeah, and this movie has a, a one of the most nonlinear nonlinear timelines. Exactly, I was kind of confused for a minute. Yes, yeah. And once you get it, you get once it. You, but you know, it does a great job figuring out how to keep you there right. and not confuse you. Right. Like I, it was whenever Ian Holm started, he went to the bus to look at it. Yeah. And then it shows the bus driving up to the fair. I was like, oh, so it's flashing back. Yes. Forth. Like yes. it's easy. It's not like a total in your face thing. It's not a fade to dissolve like. Uh huh. You know, right. Back in the day. No, there's no time stamp or anything. No. It's just the way it's edited makes you understand and. I don't want to say it's complicated, but right. there's a lot going on here. Right. And it's jumping back and forth between time mm-hmm. without signaling to you. And it does a great job of keeping you where you need to be and understanding it. And late in the movie, they even keep up with it because like uh, Billy and Risa are, are talking in the, in the motel room. Mm-hmm. And he says, a lawyer came over and was like, you know, going through the bus. And then they show the scene of Ian Holm going through the bus uh-huh. and Billy confronting him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Okay, well, so they're going to keep up this this thing, and and I, it's a very interesting way to tell the story. Yeah, I think it adds to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the confusion and the yeah, yeah, because this town, it like you could, the whole town itself is probably confused about what to do. Yeah, you can see, well, especially with Billy Bruce Green, Greenwood's character, he doesn't want anything to do with the lawyer, right? But these other people in town, some people are ready to lawyer up, you know, at the drop of a hat, and other people are hesitant, right? Like. The town is not unified in this event. Right. And uh, I guess maybe they were unified before Ian Holmes showed up. I, I don't know. A, I get a sense that they were. Yeah. Um, that, And are you talking before the bus crash or well, just before Ian Holmes showed up? Before they showed up, I okay. think. Okay. I think. I think they were all kind of, you know, it's a small town. Everyone's got their 
their jobs they do. Yes. Everyone's got their role. You right. know, everyone knows everybody and right. what they do and their business. And then this tragedy happens where half the kids in town die in a bus crash. I think everyone in town is trying to help each other out yeah. at this point. Yeah. And then Ian Holm comes and stirs it up. And w- with that small town uh, feel and, and the community, like in any small town, even if everyone knows everybody and everyone kind of gets along, there's still like people who maybe are not the best people. And yeah. that, like everyone just kind of tolerates. Mm-hmm. Like Maury Chaikin's character, Wendell, um, Alberta Watson's uh, husband. He, he's the guy who's like talking to Ian Holm. I think he's like Ian Holm visits uh, Wendell and Risa yeah, first. Yeah, yeah Wendell... Uh... He's one of the goons from Twins. Yep, that's uh, right. That's <laughs> I right. saw him. I was like, ooh, yep. ooh, it's the baby claim. Uh-huh. And uh, I also remember him from Mr. Destiny. He played the, the mud guy. Well, I don't, okay. I never saw Mr. Destiny. Okay. Uh, you're, you're, I was about fine. to say, do I need no, to? No, you don't. I'm good with that yeah, one? Yeah, All right, you're, thanks. You're totally I'm fine. so glad. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, they're the first people in the town we meet. Yep. I think, at least from Ian Holmes' perspective. Yes. He starts there. Uh, and he comes into their hotel and tells them he's a lawyer. Let's get a class action lawsuit against the the manufacturer of the bus, yep. uh, the county, anyone we can. Right. You know, someone's responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Someone did a report and saw that saving one ninth of a cent, you know, on a bolt will profit them. Yes. And, but then kill kids, you know, and, and they'll take the risk. Right. He's trying to get anything he can. He doesn't even know where to go. He's just trying to investigate to figure out who he can sue. Exactly. So he needs to have, like, a, if he's going to bring a class action lawsuit, he needs people to make up the class action. Uh-huh. So let's get all the townsfolk together, and mm-hmm. then we'll figure out who we're going to sue. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's doing. Yeah. I think the town does a really good job of showing, like, kind of how shitty that is, yeah, what he's doing. I know. But it also shows you, like, there is a good side to it. He, like, he does seem like he is trying to help these people. Right. But it's also, like... He's out to get some money for himself, and maybe no one's responsible. That's what Billy's point of view is. Yep. He's like, the fucking bus just hit ice, man. Yep. He's like, I serviced that bus. It was fine. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, it does a good job of showing all sides of this thing. And with Billy, I mean, if there's a couple of characters in the movie that you believe in, Mm -hmm. it's Nicole and Billy. Yeah. And when Billy says I serviced the bus, there was nothing wrong with it. I totally buy that. I I I could I could he seems like someone you would trust. Um I like Billy. He seems kind of like a bully a little bit. Yes. Maybe a t- too tough of a guy or a hard ass. I, right. But uh I like him. He seems like a genuine guy and he's real and you can trust him. Right. Yeah. And and I mean he does get tough with Ian Holmes certainly and with with Sam later. Yeah. Um but I enjoy those scenes. I do too. Yeah. Um, and, but, but for the most part, he's just like kind of a, a, a pillar of the community for the most part. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a, a go-to guy. Yes. Um, and I'm sure he hangs out at the bar a lot. Yes. Like I'm he, sure he does. He's got that biker stash, the handlebar mustache. <laughs> does. Bruce Greenwood looks totally tough in this movie. <laughs> like, this guy's going to kick my <laughs> exactly. ass. I know. He's, he's so... ready to kick Ian Holmes. Ian Holm like kind of stands his ground. Right. He, he does back off a little. But then he, he like keeps pushing his point, even though Billy says he's about to fucking kill him. <laughs> he says to him, what if I was to beat you until you yeah. piss blood for a month? Would you sue me? <laughs> and Ian Holm responses, no, I would not. Uh-huh. Billy, he would always follow the bus every day. Yes. And wave to his kids in the back. They make a big point of that in the movie. Right. And he saw his kids die in front of his eyes. Right. He saw the bus go off the road down this hill and crash into a frozen lake. Right. That's tragic. And then, yeah, and as he's watching the bus sink into the ice, yeah. he's running down there. Um, and, I mean, the, the helplessness of that, if, mm-hmm. if that was you. you yep. know, Like running down that embankment, knowing there's nothing you can do. Yep. You, you can't dive into that water and start fishing kids out. I mean, well, what are you going to yep. do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. Right. How it... Uh, I mean, I don't like. No, I, the, know. The, the, I don't have to clarify myself, do exactly. I? I like, I like the trade. film. I yes. like, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love when kids freeze to death <laughs> oh, I know. underwater. I oh, remember that part where those kids God, froze? that was the coolest part. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know, uh, well, people people reacted. That. I remember hearing conversations like that around Titanic when that happened. It was like, oh, I remember when that dude fell off the boat and blah, blah. You know, yes, I do. I remember when that CG guy. That was a you know, cool cinematic, and he hits the propeller, man. Uh, propeller guy. Yes, propeller guy. <laughs> Thankfully, there's no propeller this, guy in this These film. movies came out in the same year, actually. Yeah. And this was the year of Titanic. Yes. Uh, I think Adam McGoin was nominated for director. Mm. Uh, James Cameron won. Yes. And this was nominated for a screenplay. Yes. Also. Best now, adapted screenplay. I don't know what won. I think it was Goodwill. No, Goodwill Hunting was an original screenplay, but. Yeah, I can't um, remember what one adapted that year. I don't know. Avatar. I don't know. No, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but good movie. Uh huh. Yes. Um, Dolores' job is really hard. She's the bus driver. Yes. Um,. That like when you look at that snowy landscape and the buses, you know, rolling up to every house and picking mm-hmm. up the kids, I, I just it just occurred to me while I was watching it this time, like how difficult that particular job is. I mean, not only like trying to corral all those kids, but like on those roads mm-hmm. in that region of of Canada. I mean, good lord, yeah. I, I can't believe there isn't a crash like this almost every day. Yeah. Um, and. You know, even when they when she says that she was going fifty miles an hour, I'm like, that's a little too fast, right? Doris. That's what I'm thinking. You know, you're going around these curved roads yeah. on a mountain. Yeah, dude. I mean, uh-huh. Uh huh. But it, it, I, I just, I just know that, like, you know, with me, with was driving on St. Louis streets in the wintertime, it, it's, it's always pretty hair raising. So, like, I never want to go fifty miles an hour me, me on neither. an icy road. Me, me neither. I don't know. And it's not it's not like it's all plowed either. And and it's like I, I just watch her and, and Dolores especially, she's played by I think Gabrielle Rose. Mm-hmm. Um her interview segments with uh Ian Holm are are some of the best scenes in the movie too. They're pretty good. Um you know, she she's sitting in this house and, and they, they 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 do a, they do a lot of good work with like just the art direction and the production design of of everyone's of the interiors of, of all the residents' houses. They look like how you would expect, I yes. think. Yeah. She is married to a man who had a stroke, mm-hmm. her husband, Abbott, yeah. who is wheelchair bound now. Mm-hmm. And like behind her, she's wearing a neck brace and behind her is a bunch of pictures of not her kids, but like kids in the community that have done like 4-H stuff. Yeah, like stuff her and, school bus kids, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just seems like the kind of person who would be in, in a small town like that who would be very revered and loved. Yeah, she's probably everyone's mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you see it in the way she interacts with the kids and the way like when she brings them to the fair and she's like, all right, everybody, now you go here and you go here mm-hmm. and don't touch this and blah, blah, you know. Yep. And, and the kids are all listening to her. Um, and, and when she's even picking up the kids at the stops, yeah. she's talking to the parents. She's, right. She's always smiling. I know. And always saying, oh, well, have a good day, you yep. know. Like, yeah. And she's when, positive. Exactly. And like when she comes to the Otto's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, Miranda and, uh, Hartley with their son bear the autos. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like bear has, he's a little kid. He's 10 years old. He's got this like very strange looking art project that he did. And, um, yeah, it's like one of these, uh, like mirrored images. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You put a mirror halfway between someone's arm and there's like five arms yes. poking out. Like, you <laughs> exactly. know, this weird, that's what kind of art they make. Yeah. There. He did like a magic yeah. eye drawing uh-huh, or something yeah. like that, except it's whatever's behind the magic uh-huh. eye. And like he, and his, her, her reaction to it is great. She's like, "Well, I, it's not really for me, but okay, you know." She's yeah. got that, you know. <laughs> I love. I think it's funny when uh, they're she's dancing around the fact that they're hippies and they yes. smoke weed. Yes, <laughs> she won't like say it or right. admit it. it right. it's really funny <laughs> because earlier we'd even seen like Wendell like uh-huh. just full on like when when uh. <laughs> it's it's when when Ian Holm goes over to the, to the Walker's place, like Wendell is just ripping on everybody in the town, mm-hmm. like like saying all like putting all their skeletons out there, you know. Well, d- mm-hmm. you know this guy did this, and then when they get to the autos, he's it's like funny. he's like, uh, and he almost doesn't say anything, uh-huh. and then Risa starts talking about what a great what great people they are, mm-hmm. and finally like Wendell with with his mouth full of Doritos goes, they probably smoke weed, yeah, you know, ah. <laughs> uh, uh. Yep. He's such a dick. I, I hate know. him so much. And, and you can de- totally understand why. I mean, it's never okay, of course, to cheat on your husband or wife, but you can understand why Risa, you know, steps out on him. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I, I like how they're the first couple he goes to, and he's kind of saying, you know, we need upstanding parents like you guys, you right. know, and they're, I feel like they think they're, they're good parents. Mm-hmm. They probably are, but uh, 
And they're not perfect, though, because as soon as Ian Holm gets a call from Zoe, his daughter, he goes out to take it, and you just hear Wendell starting to rail into his wife, like, why you got to do this? Why blah, blah, blah? Right. They're not perfect either. No one in the town's perfect, and, you know? And, I mean, you, you, you know they're not perfect pretty much when you walk into their house. Like, yeah. Because they, they they're, they're like innkeepers, and, and they live at this motel that they have, and, uh-huh. like, Wendell especially is just, like, he's unpleasant even before they start talking. Mm-hmm. You can just tell it's like what what did what did Risa ever see in this guy? Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. I mean he 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 couldn't have been anything more than he is right now. Um, what does he say to Ian Holm? His first line is like it's like are you a reporter? Yeah, or it's something like that. Right. He's and, he, and he up. says it like why are you here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then once he finds he has out, a motel, I does know. he say that to everyone who comes in? Exactly. Is he sweating everybody down? Well, I'm sure since the bus crash, there's been a lot of people coming in. To, yeah. Uh, talk and interview and do a right. reporting maybe so it makes sense but man what a prick i know you say it to all your clientele <laughs> yeah and then once he finds out he's a lawyer and what the guy's about all of a sudden he's real eager to talk to him <laughs> and you know like and, and start running everybody down uh-huh um this guy likes to talk about everybody in yes, town you can tell yes he's got something to say about everyone and reese is sitting <laughs> on the other couch just watching him like like with these dead eyes just going oh my god i'm married to this fucking asshole <laughs> you know <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah bad choice uh-huh yeah <sighs> so um, that sucks i know there's a uh a thing in this movie that we have uh not danced around but haven't mentioned yet yeah you briefly hinted at incest yes uh running dudes on movies theme it's something we just can't escape from <laughs> i know um no matter what, what we do, hell? we won't do spanking the monkey, everybody, because that's the most blatant one. <laughs> okay, good idea. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, this movie, early in the film when we talked about Sarah Polly's first appearance, she's like rehearsing with her band at this festival. And there's a man there who's watching the, the, the performance. Yeah. Played by Tom McCamus. And you, you don't know the relationship they have nope. at first. And I'm thinking, God, this guy's got a crush on this girl. Exactly. And he looks like, you know, maybe he's... He's older than her, but it's like, is he, is he like her boyfriend? Is he just an yeah, admirer? Right. Um, and we find out that, you know, she, she comes off the stage and mm-hmm. he, she asks him, you know, like, how was it? How was it? He goes, oh, it was awesome. And she goes, thanks dad. And, and yeah. hugs him. Oh, it's her father. I was like, oh, what a sweet guy. Yeah, exactly. He just, oh, he's like out he really there supporting daughter. his daughter, man. Yeah. What a great guy. Yeah. 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 Um, they're like sitting there having, having lunch together. For half the movie, it's like that. Exactly. You're thinking, oh, well, this is just a really great relationship. This is a super dad. and daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's bringing her and she babysits Billy's kids, uh-huh. uh, Bruce Greenwood's character. And when he gets picked up one night from, uh, her dad's Sam. Yeah. By Sam the way. is the, is the guy. Um, Sam picks her up, they go home and he starts walking to the barn with his guitar and he turns uh-huh. around and he looks at her very seriously and she looks at him. They go into the barn and uh, this, ooh. it's they're having they're having an, an affair. Like he, he is he is having sex. He, he is has having candles a sexual lit relationship with his daughter. They're on a hay yes. loft somewhere. Yes, there's candles. Uh, she's like sitting next to him. He's laying down, and she leans in and kisses him. Yeah, she's been brainwashed into doing this right. to him. Right. Uh, when I saw it, I was shocked. Mm. And I want the way the scene's done. You get a sense. It's going to go that way. Yes. Uh, but it's so jarring because up until this point, you think this guy's like the world's best dad. Right. And then you're like, holy shit, this guy's the worst. He's abs- He's and, a criminal. And he didn't force her to come into that barn. He just kind of looks at her like, are you going to come or, or right. not? Right. Like, come on, let's go. Like, uh, it reminded me of uh, uh, John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas. He had this kind of relationship with his daughter, Mackenzie. Ooh, um, I didn't know that. Yes. Mackenzie Phillips was having a, it wasn't just like, you know, his raping his daughter, It was, which is what anyone who has sex with Ultimately, daughter, that's, it, what, that's it what it is. That's what it is. She can't give consent. Yeah. Um, but it was a full on just sexual relationship with his teenage Man. daughter. Um, and that's what this is. And, you know, it, it's completely tragic and evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we see this happening, it's after she leaves babysitting Billy's kids. Yeah. She's reading the Pied Piper story. And for people who don't know, it's about the, the Piper leaves the children out of the town to get revenge on the town, yeah. basically. Uh, and it has parallels to the story we're seeing because, you know, the town has lost its children. Yes. So, and then also in the story, there's like one kid who has like 
a gimpy leg or something. Right. He's, who's left behind? Exactly. He's got one leg. He uh-huh. can't walk. He's on crutches or yes. whatever. And that's Sarah Polly yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And uh, so now she is that character, basically. Yes. She survives the bus crash and she's now a paraplegic. Yeah. So um, when she leaves, she's reading that story to the kids and she has to explain to the kids why this guy is doing this horrible stuff to the town's children. And she's yes. like, well... Because he was angry, I guess. Uh, oh. It creates this really ominous tone. And then we go from that to, like, the car driving. The tone stays the same. Mm-hmm. And they get out, and it's silent. No words are said. Right. And there's kind of the Pied Piper voiceover from Sarah Polly. Yes. It, it makes the scene so much more jarring. It's so full of dread. Yeah. And, and God. And part of it, too, is is coming from when she leaves Billy's house, like... Before she leaves, Billy had given oh yeah Nicole a bunch of like his his now deceased wife's old clothes, uh-huh. and he also gives her like a tape of like some variations on one of their on one of her band's songs, and says, "Hey, you know, check this out. I I, I did some work around that. He plays guitar too." Yeah, and and like uh, <clears throat> I, I'm assuming like Billy and Sam like jam together probably and so, stuff. Yeah, they exactly. probably have a band. They yeah. play in the town bar, you sure. know, stuff like that. Right. So. And. It's a really nice thing, and it's like I, I, you only get this on like reviewings where you go. I wonder if she's thinking, "I wish Billy was my dad." You I know? wonder. I yeah. mean, like, because he would be a real father, um, and he would be supportive, and he wouldn't do what Sam is doing. Maybe, yeah. You know, I also wondered if I don't. I don't really believe this, but does Billy know? About Sam and his daughter? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. I think that Billy would be killing Sam if, okay. if that was the case. Because right, we've seen like, like what his temper is, and yeah. I, mean, I, I have a feeling that Sam would be dead. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, geez, man, so... I know. Now, when Ian Holm is going from house to house, when he visits the Otto's house... Mm-hmm. Uh, the people we mentioned, the ones that Dolores calls hippies. It's one of my favorite scenes. It is. It is one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. as well. They're they're in this really awesome A-frame house, like it's out cool. in the snow. Um, it, Mr. Otto's like meditating up on this rafter. Yeah, or something. It's, it's awesome, really man. Cool, man. <laughs> man, that's a boss house. It's know? pretty awesome. <laughs> I know. There's a tr- there's like trees growing in it. It's yes, like, man, yes. these guys are true hippies. Exactly. Pretty awesome. It, and like the whole house is almost like one room. I mean, it, it's yeah. really, they're sitting It's a on, cool house. Yeah. It's, I don't it's, know if I'd like to live there, but it's, <laughs> right. it's neat. It's just neat to it's see. It's cool it. to see. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, they're sitting on the floor and like both of them, Miranda and Hartley are both uh, like just grief stricken because they've lost their son. And like they haven't gotten over it. It's still a very sad place. And mm-hmm. um, when Ian Holm is talking to them, he's also sitting on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's just a great moment where he starts crawling toward them, uh-huh, uh-huh. like to show his desperation, mm-hmm. you know, to get them to sign on with this lawsuit. I, I just, I just love to watch Ian Holm crawling across the floor in his nice suit. I think his performance is incredible. I know he's great. He's so good in this movie. Uh huh. And this scene is where he starts really showing his conviction to get this company or get somebody yes. for this. Yes. And you can see how he he even realizes maybe it's not the most tasteful thing to be doing. Yeah. But it's not the worst thing to be doing. He's <laughs> maybe he's torn about it himself. Like right. this is my job, even though I know it's kinda wrong. Right, right. So he's he really wants to do it because it's his job, but he kinda understands this isn't the best time or place or situation, you know? Yeah. Like so he's feeding on these people's grief. To benefit himself. Yeah, he's trying to help them too. But I mean, if he wasn't getting anything out of this, he wouldn't be doing it. Of course not. And they even ask if he's expensive. And he says he doesn't get paid unless they settle, which is good. Yeah. Standard practice is what he says. Yes. <laughs> or it's a standard it's a standard deal. <laughs> uh, but uh, he uh, says he gets one third of the money. And I was like, holy shit, that's a lot, dude. It is a lot. But and I think that's probably standard what happens. And that's how you get people to sign up for a class action lawsuit. They're, yeah. they're pissed off and they, they want someone to suffer for what happened. And we don't pay this guy until he wins. Right. Well, that, you know, there's not really a, it's a win-win almost, almost you know, yeah. nothing. We don't lose anything if we lose and we gain a lot if we win. Right. So I don't know. I know. And like, 
it, it's it's unfortunate that like anyone like in this situation, I, I no one the, the the parents don't know that it's just Dolores hit a patch of ice. You yeah, know, nobody like, knows that. It's it's they, they they suspect it and like that that's kind of what happened with like the initial investigation because like all the, the parents got paid from like Dolores's insurance with the school board. Yeah, but that's like they're 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 kind of like they've made their peace with it. All except Sam. Well, the the autos want what what ends up coming out is that they want the people to pay for this. Yeah. They don't they don't really care about the money too much, but right. they want the people behind this to go to jail. Right. Uh and I mean like who who is responsible for that? No, Nobody. Are you, are you is. sending Dolores to jail? Yeah, like what what's the deal? I mean, are you going to send the the president of General Motors to jail? Like what right. who, what's the end game here? Right. No, no it can't really be explained because yeah. even Ian Holm doesn't even know who he's going to sue. Yeah, exactly. You know. And one of my favorite examples of him like feeding on their grief. He says if it wasn't for them, your son would be alive and in school this morning. Yeah. What a shitty thing to I know, say. I know. And it's how a lawyer gets you. Yeah. They, they can prey on, on something tragic that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And and they have no qualms about using that in a conversation. Yeah. You, you know, like, yeah. like, I mean, someone someone lost their child. And, mm-hmm. and you say, you know, uh, you're entitled to compensation and pain and suffering, you know, mm-hmm. for this. How, how, how much money are you going to pay me to replace my kid? Exactly. Yeah. You know? I think the autos even say something about that. Like, yeah. this ain't going to bring them back or right. something like that. Someone says that to them. Right. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> go ahead. Nothing. Okay. I just, cause Ian Holmes awesome in this movie. I know, he is. And and it's there, there's another, like, kind of follow-up to the, the whole him crawling on the floor thing. When you see him, like, when when, when the, the autos agree to, to, to go with the lawsuit, he goes, I have the contract in my car. He had to park like maybe half a mile. Oh yeah, all the way down this slope. Oh yeah. And then you see him run out of the house and he's in his suit and he's running across that landscape again. Well, he wants to get this thing signed real quick. You know, the the Don't change your mind. That's right. (laughs) Um, but it's just so cool to see like like this tiny guy across this, you know, this just vast, never ending, Mm -hmm. you know, like mountain side full of snow. And there's about his performance again, it's just like there'll be just like a shot of him sitting there talking yeah. and off the screen you hear like, what's Mr. Otto's name? I can't. Uh, Hartley. Hartley will say something like, kind of like contradictive or like really pressing him like, are you sure about this yes. or whatever? Or, or you just want money, don't you? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Right. To try to corner him. And Ian Holm like kind of, he like turns his head to look at him and the camera's just still trained on Ian Holm and like, his expression really doesn't like change, but you can tell it kind of caught him off guard a smidge, uh-huh. but he's, he's got this, yes. you know, the way Ian Holm does this is awesome. The way he like kind of turns his head and then like, and then says something, <laughs> you know, like it's really good. And the way he's framed too, he's usually, he's usually looking not at the camera. He's looking at the characters who are unseen on uh-huh. the screen, but yeah. the way he's framed, his eyes are turned up. Uh-huh. And he's he's trying to he's putting on his best face of empathy. Yeah, and like that's what he's doing throughout like every interview he does with every person, mm-hmm. and it's always successful until he does the interview with Dolores. Uh-huh. Um, we see like pieces. There's segments of of his Dolores interview throughout mm-hmm. the film. Yeah, and the last one is my favorite because he's lost his patience with Dolores, mm-hmm. and he starts to take kind of an insulting tone with her. Um, like she's not really getting, you know, what's happening. So he's like being a little less patient with her. And that's when her husband explodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a really he starts great going off on him. Yes. That's cool. He can barely talk, but he's just yelling and trying to get it across. Like, don't you dare talk to my wife that way, mm-hmm. you know, and he's doing it from a wheelchair and Ian Holm is backing off. Yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ian Holm in this. I know. It's so good. Um, so with Zoe. Yes. We find out, well, Ian Holm is on a plane and he is sitting next to Allie, an old friend of his daughter Zoe's. Right. And this is kind of a, another through thing in the movie. Framing device. Yeah. yeah. So we find out that he has had lots of problems with Zoe. 
And it, they keep showing this shot of them at a cabin as kids or whatever. That's how the movie opens. Yeah. He's always a baby. And he tells the story about how he she got bit by baby black widows. And they're in this isolated cabin 40 minutes from a hospital. And he, how he had to comfort her and rush her there. And uh, just the doctor on the phone told him he might have to do an emergency tracheotomy on his three-year-old daughter. You know. Yes. This whole story... And performance by Ian Holm, and the way it's filmed, and it just it shows kind of just this baby, baby girl for most of it, cut with Ian Holm talking to this person on an airplane. Yes, man, this is great stuff. The intensity of this scene, just like uh-huh. you know, it 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 doesn't let go. Yeah, um, and that that striking shot of when he says, "And I had her on my lap while my wife was driving." Yep, and I had to have the knife ready to do the tracheotomy, the little baby looking up at him and there's the, it's like us looking down at a baby in your lap. Right. And in the one hand is a open pocket knife. Yep. Next to the baby's head. Right. Not like, it's not scary. No, but it's just like, wow, this knife is ready to cut this kid's throat open. Holy shit. Yeah. It's very intense. I mean, (laughs) and then Ian Holm, doesn't finish the story really. He kind of gets to the end, and then next to him on the plane is Allie, Allie, and she says, "What happened? Did you have to do it or whatever?" Because the way he ends it makes it sound like he had to do this, right? And Ian Holm, he had just like trailed off, and he's looking into space, and he, she asks him that, and he's like, "What?" Yeah, he literally says, "What? Like, what's going on?" Because <laughs> he's so trapped in this memory, right? That he he can't get he like gets snapped out of it. And then he remembers what he was doing. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't have to do it. We made it in time to the hospital. Like, but man, he said he was will- he was prepared to do that. Yes. And just that was enough to like terrify him. Yes, of course. Utterly terrify him for forever. But, yeah, because he's telling the story, but he's also have he's also going through it again. I yeah, he's reliving you know, the desperation. And like, God, you, you, okay, you think to yourself, of course, you would always do everything for, for your children. Uh-huh. You know, you, and you would be prepared to do this if, if need be. Mm-hmm. And you'd do it. You, you would actually cut into their throat, you know, to save their life. Uh-huh. Um, and, and do it in such a way that they don't bleed to death. I mean, uh, yeah, man. Good Lord. Watch out for all those arteries and Exactly, stuff. yes. You know, I wish I could forget it, but it's never going to happen. It's almost as if he's not even thinking. Yeah. He's kind of frozen in time. Yep. And just... Words are coming out of his mouth and he's just looking. He's not even thinking about it. It's just a stream of consciousness coming out of his mouth. Right. Uh, And he's not even aware of anything around him. You know, he's living in that moment again. Right. Great job. It's 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 really good. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing on the plane is he's talking to her about Zoe uh, and how she got into drugs and doing all this stuff. Oh, that's really good, too. Right. And. How she's been in rehab in and out a million times. And then she asks him something about Zoe again, about how he loves her or what's going on. And his last line is, your love turns into something else. And she says, well, what does it turn into? And he says, it turns into steaming piss. Yeah. That is a great line. Man, the delivery is from Ian Holm. I mean, because he's talking about this struggle he's had for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah. It's almost as if he doesn't want to love her, but he can't help it. And that's what he's on the plane for is he's he's going to like get her because she's been given uh, an HIV positive diagnosis. Apparently. Apparently. And we're never told if it's true or not. Right. Because she lies her ass off all the time to get money. Throughout the movie, you see her on a payphone, like in the city calling her dad and him him, like tolerating it. And the last thing, the last call, she tells him that, you know. Yeah. She's (sighs) tested positive. Right. That's um, all she says. Yes. She doesn't say what it is. She That's just, true. It's safe to assume she's got HIV. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm tr- I'm stuck in this moment of the film. It's I, so good. I know. I, I know. can't get out of it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> what What do you? Uh, let's. Can we talk about Billy and Risa? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here on our show, we, we have a longstanding policy against infidelity. Um, yes. We've always talked it's, about it's how wrong it is. It's standard issue, dude. Exactly. It comes in the dude army packet. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> in this case, without having the data in front of me, I think I'll say that like this is the most sympathetic infidelity I've ever encountered in a film. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know, and it's not just because uh, Wendell is such a shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big part of it. 
But Risa needs something in her life that is not there. Mm-hmm. And Billy is a widower. And he also, you know, needs something that he's not getting. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and he needs to take comfort somewhere. The only problem I have with it is that they're doing it in Wendell and Reese's motel. Yeah, the own, their own motel. It's just <laughs> a really weird place to have a tryst. Yeah. But it's a, the last room. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's like a standing appointment they have. They're always in this room. Yeah, it's like every week, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know how they're getting away with this, how they think they're getting away with it. Um, I mean, Wendell has to know, right? I I don't know. He's always in everyone's business. Exactly. But he's not in his own business. (laughs) So maybe he's just oblivious to this because he's always looking at everyone else. I know. I know. I don't know. That's possible. Um, And, you know, there's no Cheetos in that room. So that's why he's not there. He's eating that whole bag of Cheetos at I the know, beginning. It's hilarious. <laughs> he dumps the entire bag into like a serving bowl. Yeah, and he eats the whole bowl. He's walking around carrying this and just munching on it he as ne- he's talking to Ian And he Ian doesn't Holmes. offer anyone? No. And he, and he, you know, it, it's <laughs> right, just like he's this, hogging it. Exactly. This is just his. He's like, this is my these, snack. These are my Cheetos. <laughs> Get your own. God Damn it. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, and he looks like Harry Knowles in this movie, too. It's <laughs> disgusting. He's just like the worst person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, so like, yeah, after when, after we, you know, the whole thing with Billy and Risa, we see one of their encounters. And then after the bus crash, they get together again and they're talking about, you know, like the, the lawsuit. Uh-huh. And uh, he's at, he's confronting Risa about why she and Wendell are in the lawsuit. And, you know, she doesn't really give a good answer. It's um, kind of just just because, yes, you know, everyone everyone is. Right. Don't we need to do this? And he tells her, no, you mm-hmm. know, I, I worked on that bus. I, I know there was nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's worried he's going to get subpoenaed yeah. and have to testify right. and all that shit. And then after he leaves, he then goes out to Sam's place mm-hmm. um, to visit Sam and Nicole. Yeah, and, I like this one. And this is one of my favorite scenes in the mm-hmm. film because... When he confronts Sam and his wife about the lawsuit, like Nicole is eavesdropping on the conversation and she is now wheelchair bound. Yeah. And Sam, like he'd already, we'd already seen him with Ian Holm, like just ask the question. So when did we get the damages? Yeah. He's really interested. He's, he really wants to to do this lawsuit and he wants millions of dollars. Yeah. And he he thinks that like his daughter now in a wheelchair is, is his meal ticket. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't say that, but it's all over his face. Right. And when Billy makes this offer to him, of uh-huh. you know like okay so so you're you're saying that like Dolores's insurance money didn't pay anything off and, and you have all these medical bills for Nicole I'll take care of Nicole you can I'll, have my kids money yep that's it I'm gonna give you that money yep and that's not enough for Sam mm-hmm. he says I, I I'm sorry Billy I can't drop the lawsuit what are you talking about mm-hmm. you, you're saying you need this money for Nicole Billy's giving you this mm-hmm. this is an outrage that you're gonna continue with this lawsuit mm-hmm. you know and and totally cripple your whole community mm-hmm. um. I hate Sam so much, you know? <laughs> and and by this point, we now hate him for yes. many reasons. Yes. So. And, you know, they keep cutting away to Sarah Polly sitting there, like, hearing the conversation. And it's another instance. I, I think this is where I felt the whole thing of, like, her wishing that, like, uh, Billy would take her with him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, just like, because uh, they, they exchange a look before they go. Well, and... he even says, tell Nicole I said, or, yeah, t- yes. tell her I said hello or something yes. and he doesn't realize she's there and listening right and when he's leaving he sees her and she's sees him mm-hmm. and then he they don't exchange words he just walks out right i like that it's a great moment yeah um and it also kind of like puts into motion now that now that we know that like how how sam is so down for this lawsuit they then go into the hearing like the deposition mm-hmm. where everyone is going to come in and give their statements mm-hmm. and you see dolores give hers and uh, the other townspeople. And then when it comes to uh, Nicole giving her statement, mm-hmm. she figures out the only way she can injure her asshole father. Yep. I didn't figure this out till after she did this uh-huh. uh, because it's what Ian Holmes says. Right. But apparently Dolores is going 50 miles an hour. They've all agreed this is exactly what happened. Yep. Nicole's going to tell the truth. 
uh, Ian Holm already bought her off with a computer. Yeah. <laughs> that made... I, man, when I, I saw that PC, I, I was like, fuck you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, you snake. And Nicole's mom and dad are just like, look what he got you. Oh, my God. This uh-huh. is so great. Yes. You know? Mr. Stevens bought this for you. Yeah, sure. Who's Mr. Stevens? <sighs> That's what she said. Exactly. I know. She hasn't even been told. <laughs> she just got out of like yes. a fucking coma. Exactly. What are you doing? Yes. And they've got it under like a blanket or something like oh, yeah. that. Like surprise! A, yes. Here's a Mac Two, whatever she's got, dude. And and Sam is walking around the house like, let like, me you know, buy your testimony. Oh god damn it! And and he he's like being very he's like fussing over her and stuff like. Oh, do you need this? Do you need that? And it's mm-hmm. like he's he's not doing it because he cares about his his now disabled daughter. It's uh-huh. because he doesn't want her flapping her gums. Yeah. Because this would be the time for her to like tell the whole town, hey, this is what's been going on with my dad. Yep. Uh, so at the deposition, she says that Dolores was going 72 miles an hour. Yes. Uh, instead of 50. <laughs> and she says she clearly remembers that now. And that a dog ran across the road and all this stuff uh-huh. happened. Uh, yeah. And uh, she was scared because she saw how fast she was going and there wasn't time to say anything. Right. Yeah. She's lying her ass off here. <laughs> and the whole time you're like, what the hell? It like comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Because you expect her to kind of go along with it or whatever and see what happens. But <laughs> no, she's really blowing this thing. Right, right. And after it happens, Ian... This is... The only thing I hate in this movie is what Ian Holmes says here is, you'd be a great poker player, kid. I didn't like that line I'm either. like, what does that have to do with anything? That's yeah. so out of character right, and right. so out of this movie's yes. tone. Yes. That's not... That doesn't need to be here. It's not like Ian Holm... We've been wanting him to get played or something, you no. know? Like, it's not... That's not appropriate. This line here, and and he wouldn't he wouldn't say that in front of opposing counsel. Exactly, you exactly. Know, we know that the case has just been blown up, but you don't need to tell the other lawyer that by like this tough guy line. Um, yeah, I, I didn't care for that either. Yeah, and then uh, her and her dad are leaving, and her dad is outside with Ian Home, basically yelling at him. Like, yeah, there's no more case. Your daughter screwed this up. <laughs> it's done. It's dead. Right. And I think he says. Now you've got to worry about why she lied. Any kid who would do that to her father is not normal, Sam. And you know why? I know why. We know why. We know why. That's right. <laughs> yep. So there you and go. My God, he just like he he gets in the car, Sam, and he he can't even look at Nicole. Uh huh. She's staring at him. She's in the back seat. Like, yeah, I did it. Yep. Yeah. What are you gonna do about it? Uh huh. You know, you can't do shit. And, you know, she's thankfully in three years or something like that, she's going to go off to hopefully college mm-hmm. or right, and get the hell out of this town. Not, not because the town is bad, but because she doesn't ever want to see this man again. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. If there was ever anyone in a movie who I, who I would like to see off themselves by the end credits, it's Sam. You know, yeah, maybe Sam kills himself in that hayloft. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, because because th- this guy def- definitely has has earned uh, a short life. I you know? agree. Yeah, uh-huh. if, unless he's murdered by Billy, which is also just as good. Ooh, you know, I don't know if I want Billy to have murder on his hands. though. Well, I wouldn't want him to to, to suffer consequences, but it's just like I, I'm. <laughs> you I'm want just, him to get away with murder? Exactly. <laughs> I, I want him to be. I want it to be a perfect murder. What if it got blamed on like Wallen or on, Warren on Wendell? or Wendell? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> Wendell's a bad dude, <laughs> but I, uh, uh, I I'm sorry I brought this up. Actually, <laughs> I know, that's all right. I know, I, I understand. You're just pissed. Yes, exactly. At Sam. Yes. So that uh, <laughs> I know you love Billy. So what, that's hilarious. Uh, um, yeah. Anything else, Dave? Um, <laughs> during the deposition, what was the stenographer doing with that apparatus? Oh yeah, she's got this Mad Max breathing mask on. What like, what the that? fuck is this? Because <laughs> no comment is made about it. Is that like to keep the her breathing quiet? I don't get it. I don't like, know. What the hell? She she she's writing things, and then she's got this this large, like you said, <laughs> like thing uh-huh, yeah. in, in front, and and it's and it's like it's it's a bag that's semi inflating a little bit. And I'm like, what is this? Maybe it's just a medical device that person needs. Okay. I don't know. Maybe we're being very insensitive to this person. Oh, and I, I hope I'm not. But, <laughs> but like, I, I, I just wish that, like... Well, but it's such an odd thing I to know, see here. Exactly. And because because no <laughs> no word is given about, like, what this is, it's, uh-huh. it's, just, it's just very odd to see this during this, you know, uh-huh. like, uh, sequence in the movie. 
Yeah, maybe Adam McGoin's very like forward thinking and maybe so. Uh, he's equal opportunity. Oh, this person has this disease. Let's get him in the movie. Yeah, and, let's let's bring some, some awareness know. to it's this disorder. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I found that odd too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is that? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I, j- okay. just real quick, Dolores' perm. I love it. Um, it's great. And those I, glasses. Yes, it yep, really she is really a works. True bus driver. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's good. Yep. So, uh, would you recommend the movie, Dave? Yes, I would recommend The Sweet Hereafter, and uh-huh. I'd give it four stars. Okay. Yeah, it's a match again. Okay. We've been matching a yeah, lot. good. Because we've been doing good movies. I know, and that's what we want to do. We had a bad streak for a while, didn't we? Yes, we Let's did. Having a good streak. Yes. Uh, yes. Four stars. This is a great film. Right. It was really good. Definitely. As it goes on, it gets better. I know. It gets better and better as it goes. Right. And I bet, like you said, a rewatch... Wow, I bet it's awesome on oh, a yeah. rewatch. Because now you're not confused by any timelines. You know exactly what's happening, and it, and it just like it unfurls before you. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. All right, so uh, that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and Apple Podcasts, rate it, review it. Most of all, share it. Gets more dudes listening to the dudes. Join the dude army, and you'll get your you know, enlistment packet, like I said. <laughs> that's right. Standard issue rations. <laughs> uh, or go to dudesonmovies.com. And you can find anything you need right there. Yes, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Dudes on Movies. And our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. Uh-huh. And we also got a voicemail. It's 304-804-DUDE. Call in and leave a answer to the question of the week. And the question of the week is, what is your favorite movie about grief? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good question. Yeah. There's lots of movies about that, but it's probably hard. Yeah. Think about it. And it's probably not going to make you happy to go in. Yeah, and, you might, you know, you might be grief stricken yeah, exactly. by this. You so. might have to relive all that crap. Sorry, again. guys. Yeah. Sorry, guys. We'll send Ian home over. To take care of it. <laughs> uh, so 304-804-DUDE. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the monthly response show. And stay tuned next week when we do 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola and starring Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>